Welcome back to another episode of the Stocks and Blocks podcast, a stocks and blockchain podcast from Investify that turns you from a confused to confident investor. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, join us as we demystify stocks and cryptocurrencies one episode at a time. And before we get started, just a quick reminder that everything discussed today is for education purposes only and is general in nature. And make sure you check out the disclosure documents on our website at investify.com.au. So Zach, I've seen online all of this talk about the Bitcoin halving, and I've got no idea what it means. What's hard? Is the price of Bitcoin halving? Is like, it half a Bitcoin? <laughs> what is the size of them? Do we start from the very basics? Pretend sure. I've got no idea what's going on, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, let's just pretend. <laughs> <laughs> you probably should know a little bit. Yeah. Um, what yeah. is the Bitcoin halving? Sure. So this is a really interesting event that is programmed into the code of Bitcoin. So what happens? Let's go back a little bit. Back in 2009, when Bitcoin first came online, there was 50 new Bitcoins that was created every 10 minutes. And that created ha- where? Out of thin air? So this was extracted out of the network from miners, which we'll go into shortly. Okay. So it's essentially like pulling new gold out of the ground. Okay. So think of think of it like that, except we're pulling new Bitcoins out of a network. Okay. So which then goes into the circulation. Now the halving refers to the amount of new Bitcoins that are created And that gets halved every four years. So the first halving event happened in 2012, where we saw the new Bitcoin go from 50 every 10 minutes down to 25. The next was another four years later in 2016, where it went down to 12.5 new Bitcoin every 10 minutes. And we're about to see the next halving event, according to history, in, uh, yeah, hopefully next year. So that's where we go to, yeah, 3.125 new Bitcoin created every 10 minutes. So who who created this concept? Where did it come from? <laughs> well, that's a big question. But uh, Satoshi Nakamoto was the original creator behind Bitcoin. He released the first white paper, essentially the instructions for how Bitcoin should be run and outlaid the tokenomics behind it, which is essentially the um, coin economics behind it. And yeah, it was, it was really unique because it's it's really going against what we're experiencing in the world right now where we see so much um, inflation of our currencies where they're able to print more and more and more and then you have something like bitcoin which is actually printing less and less and less and so this is really where a lot of the one of its most dominant characteristics that is so attractive for investors to come into. Side note, Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper is on every single MacBook. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. That's, That's just impressive. I've seen it in the real I did. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> how, uh, how up to date is that knowledge? Because I heard that they removed it all. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, they removed it. But it was really interesting to see why it was even there in the first place. So well, they, they put a lot of just gags in there. I know that I think you can... Find oh, all right. the um the whole script to Lord of the Rings oh, and stuff okay. like that. They're all, there's, there's something to do with Lord Job of the Rings, Z. something to do with Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, right. I don't know whether they did it just for fun or whether it was a mistake. Someone uploaded a file. Who knows? Well, As you do. Well, As, yeah. <laughs> well, no one actually knows that or if Satoshi Nakamoto actually is a person or a corporation or a group of people. Like, there's no actual evidence. Are you saying it might be Steve Jobs at Apple? <laughs> yeah, if you want to kill, say that. That's a headline. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I thought it was aliens. Uh, 
right, we're getting off track here. Yeah, we are. So, so can we go back? When you talk about the amount of Bitcoin that can be mined every 10 minutes, yep. when you say, like, what, what does that mean? Like, what, why can only a certain amount of Bitcoin be mined every 10 minutes? How does it get mined? Can we talk about that? And what, yeah, what is, let's, let's go into what a miner actually, yeah. actually is. Because when you think of a miner, you're probably thinking, you know, a guy with a hard hat on working for BHP in the mines. I think of... Cover. Me in RuneScape mining, <laughs> <laughs> Valador or Varrock or something. So, yeah. So yeah, there's no hands as such getting dirty um, when we're talking about mining Bitcoin. So essentially, Bitcoin runs on a piece of technology that is called a blockchain. Now, to be able to validate all the transactions that are happening around the world at any one time. It requires a lot of computational power, a lot of energy to be put into the system. Now, this energy comes from miners. Okay, so miners are essentially people who have these really powerful computers and they hook them up to the network and they essentially push their computational power from their machine into the network. Now, this is all done to be able to help manage and validate the transactions that are happening. Now, every 10 minutes, a, essentially a block of transactions. So all the transactions around the world that happened in the last 10 minutes, kind of like placed into a, a block and all the miners around the world are helping to solidify that block. And they're just making sure that all the transactions that happened were legit. They're making sure there was no double spending. And so it just keeps the essentially network nice and clean and smoothly operating. Now, when that 10 minutes is up, it actually rewards the miners with a certain amount of Bitcoin. So as we saw at the start, it was 50 Bitcoin and you know now it's at 6.25 Bitcoin. So that mining reward there incentivizes miners to be able to come in and set up these expensive pieces of you know mining equipment or these computers because there is a chance that they will get rewarded in bitcoin miners are essentially just like gold miners right they're they're trying to extract bitcoin out of the network just like a gold miner is trying to extract gold out of the ground so it's their their reward for help validating yeah transactions. it's their, so reward, their work yeah. yeah for contributing the electricity for setting up the equipment and for helping maintain the health of the network and can anyone just jump on their macbook or laptop laptop and go mine it initially yes yeah. i actually was participating in that <laughs> with my housemate um, back in 2013 so yeah you could but be as more computers have come to the network you now require much more powerful computers to be able to uh, validate transactions. So if you were just using your MacBook, just it would be, yeah, you'd fry your, you'd fry your desk. I guess you need, you need higher specs and that's why you yeah. have like big corporations and companies that actually establish Bitcoin mining farms out there yeah. to yeah. enable these processes and to make it all easier. So it sounds yeah. like to mine is becoming harder for everyday people, but also the reward is decreasing. Mm -hmm. Are we seeing a shift or are we seeing less miners out there due to the fact that they're not getting mm. an ROI or as great as an ROI or the amount that they can receive through mining is diminishing? Well, yeah, that's a really interesting point because, yeah, the rewards have to be there. It has to be an ROI for, to incentivize yeah. these miners to come to the network. So if the price isn't increasing in line with the amount of Bitcoin that people are rewarding, uh, being rewarded with, then it's, yeah, it less 
miners will enter the network and people will even go to the, the point of turning their mining machines off because it's just not profitable for them. What happens though is, and this is what really kickstarts Bitcoin cycles, is because there is less Bitcoin being created, it makes it more of a scarce asset because there's less Bitcoin to go around. So what we've seen over the last four cycles is every time a Bitcoin halving happens, it gets more rare, gets more valuable. And in turn, we've seen the price jump up to, you know, between 100x in the beginning now to, you know, sort of two or 3x. And so that has really kept more miners coming into the network because there's been so much incentive. But yeah, you definitely go through this bit of a teething period where the rewards drop, price isn't moving for a bit, and then you sort of get what's called the hash rate um, start to drop down. So the hash rate is essentially overall amount of computing power that is being pushed into the network. You do see drops in the hash rate when these halving events happen initially. So we have we have 21 million in total supply. Yes. That's, that's when you talk about inflation, disinflation, the supply is capped. Mm-hmm. And they say that the last Bitcoin to be mined is going to be around 2140. Yeah, 2140. Yeah, yeah. So because if you look at this halving rate, so, you know, we've gone from 50 now, we're down about to enter 3.125. That's still going to be halving every four years. So we're, we're currently 19 million Bitcoin in circulation at the moment. There's a hard cap. So the most amount of Bitcoin that can ever exist, so we've been told, is 21 million. So it's only taken us 13 years to get to the point we're at today or 14 years of 19 million coins, but it's going to take us another 100 years to get to the next, <laughs> you know, 2 million coins. So it's just getting harder and harder. Yeah, to extract these these Bitcoins. But you can see this is why it becomes more, more valuable as well because there's a lot less circulating. I'm trying to think of another, like an analogy of where the same thing happens. Where you're Doesn't, rewarded. mate. It's new tech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a revolution. But why do you reckon it was set up that way? Like, do you think it was to keep the price to ensure that every four years to make sure there's motivation? Motiv- like, yeah, there's yeah. enough of a story behind it to keep it going. Like, what, why do you reckon Satoshi did it this well, way? <laughs> well, it was to create a, a valuable an asset that got more and more valuable over time. That's the reason, like, there's theories that, like, this is born out of the GFC. Like, at a time, there was a global financial crisis and there was a lot of economic issues. And so creating something like this was just extremely unique. And especially as we've started to see the governments printing as much money, quantitative easing, this has been, like, a complete flip on any sort of currency that's out there. And so it's been a, a very attractive, and that's why it's gained so much widespread adoption as well, is because it's a... It's a hedge against currencies that we we use every day. And then what happens in the year 2140 when everything's done? I I guess if you're one of the first buying Bitcoin and you're considered a whale, then how do you get thrown off your pedestal? I'll have to wait and see. (laughs) (laughs) But Bitcoin, all I can say is Bitcoin has changed so much already. If we look at how it actually started, it started off as digital cash. So it was meant to be a digital version of your, you know, Australian dollars. That's that was what it was meant to be. Something that was, you know, untraceable, something that was lodged online. And it's sort of that narrative shifted into it being a store of value. So it's kind of being like gold. It has a lot of 
very similar properties to gold, which we'll go into later on. But so like if, if you look at that and now it's, you know, now they're building DeFi, like finance applications on Bitcoin. It was never meant for that. Now they're building NFTs on top of it. It was never meant for that. And so what we can sit here and say, what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, they have to incentivize people to come to it. But there's a lot of changes going to take place over the next hundred years. Like if we see, we've seen this much already in 10 years. Yeah, there's going to be a ridiculous well, amount. There's robots w- walking around. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got all that. Change. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to freeze myself so I can be ready for 140. <laughs> yeah. Maybe North Melbourne will win a flag by then. Uh, <laughs> I, I doubt Maybe it. not. <laughs> so, for everyday people who don't mind Bitcoin but invest in Bitcoin, what are the implications? You talk about the fact that when a Bitcoin halving takes place, uh, we can see we've seen returns of 100x and now kind of obviously with the market cap increasing, it goes to more 2 to 3x. What, what are the implications for everyday people investing in Bitcoin? during these halving times and do, are we expected to see the price go up in the lead up to the halving or the day the halving takes place or in the mm. aftermath can we, can we talk about that a bit more yeah so it's there's no like real sudden mic drop moment you know some huge you know celebration where the halving event happens and the price goes wild it's kind of something like, like the ETH merge yeah yeah there's no, no like set date as such where everyone goes ballistic but it's something that just sort of happens over time and it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy like it's it's not necessarily the the immediate halve, halving a new less Bitcoin being created that causes this spike. It's kind of like everybody's expecting it now. And so everybody will kind of react accordingly to it. Everyone's talking about this Bitcoin halving. And if everyone's talking about it, generally is that self-fulfilling prophecy mm. yeah so are you saying there's no date that well we know it's going to happen so what it's every so every 2100 blocks which is you know 2100 lots of 10 minute blocks like new uh, blocks of bitcoin transactions being made this is when a halving event happens so it's around about april 2024 right so it's not it hasn't it's been written into the fact that it's every four years is that just yeah it's the amount of it's the block time roughly, yeah okay, which yeah. usually equates to four years yeah because it was in may 2020 that's when the last one was and now this one's looking at about april so but wouldn't if bitcoin the adoption of bitcoin is becoming it's increasing over mm-hmm. time because in fact it's what's happening wouldn't the halving then decrease because they're validating transaction or more transactions to validate mm-hmm. these blocks would then become closer together? So the blocks come down, like a, a new block is created every 10 minutes and that's fixed. Uh, like it's, or it's between like 10 and nine and a half minutes, which is kind of where there's that bit of variation between the dates, but it's not getting any shorter or longer. So I guess nothing is written in stone regarding Bitcoin's price when it comes to the halving period. We're just, we're using like backtesting, we're using, I'm on the charts, I'm all technical so if you look back every four years around the same time that bitcoin halves that's when the price goes up Mm -hmm. but it's not written in stone that it will so we can't go be buying all the bitcoin when the halving period comes around what what is written in stone is a halving event will happen what isn't written in stone is that will initiate the next bull run but your back testing shows that it has yes historically where it's really interesting because i mean everyone says this time will be different this time will be different and i've we've said that in multiple runs before this as well even with last run everyone thought it was going to be a super cycle where bitcoin was going to go on one run drop back and do another run straight afterwards that didn't happen like everyone was calling out this time again everyone's saying this time will be different because we're in a completely different financial world like where we're faced with inflation rates that are out of control, interest rates that are out of control. Well, it's just in a completely different position. And people were like, we haven't experienced these sort of conditions with Bitcoin before. 
So how will it react even despite all this? So that's what that's really what's going to be interesting to see how it plays out even in this sort of environment. Yeah, I just I just read an article about how the environments of where Bitcoin is and and previously in the last 10 12 years it's been in this quantitative e- easing, you know, environment mm. where money's continually being printed and the demand and supply is just going up. So what happens the, in the next period when we come to May? Will the money printers be turned on or will we be in a, in a new environment where Bitcoin doesn't know how to mm. react? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an interesting play. Yeah, it's a, it's completely new territory, uncharted territory. So, but yeah, I mean, we're kind of pushing on because we're you know trading off historical data and that showed us today that yeah. this is going to be another start of another bull run. Fingers crossed it brings on so. another bull run. What advice would you give to everyday people investing in Bitcoin or wanting to invest in Bitcoin leading up to the Bitcoin halving? I know, Richie, you said it, we shouldn't necessarily just go and buy a shitload of no. Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's because we think it'll go up. So what, what advice would we give? I think like where we're still in a downward trending market. We saw yesterday huge drops across the, the board there, you know, up to 25% across you know, some of the major coins. So there's no certainty that we are at the bottom yet. And so I think if you are just new looking to invest into Bitcoin for the first time, I think we're going to see some fantastic prices over the next sort of eight to 12 months. But there's no need to go all in now. But as we say, a really good strategy has proven time and time again to do really well is just dollar cost average. It is it is really slow buy-ins periodically. And that will average down your buy-in and sort of reduce the risk. Yeah, and pair that up with, you know, technical analysis because charts do speak and tell stories about what the price is doing. So if you are dollar cost averaging, maybe dollar cost average at the right times or when we're at support, you know, don't just blindly throw money at it. So just be smart about your dollar cost averaging. As well. So you don't just have to do it based on time. It can be based on key levels of support or something. Like yeah, that. there's there's different ways. There's a yeah. method where you can invest every second Monday or you can look at every second Monday if we're at support, we're buying. Mm. Maybe if we're not, we're not buying. Yeah. Or when Bitcoin hits 25K and then 22K and then 20K. So you can do yeah. whole numbers like that. Yeah. There's so many different ways, strategies to, to buy into Bitcoin. I'll have to do an episode on that. That's really interesting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Anything else before we close this off, boys? I think we summarized it pretty well. So I can't wait to see what happens next April. Yeah. And All eyes on the market. We are hanging on for that one. Yeah, great. Great hairs coming out. Maybe North will have a premiership. Nah, that's all right. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, boys.